Authorities are desperately searching for a killer accused of going on a rampage. The search for a possible serial killer. An urgent manhunt for a man authorities believe is behind a triple killing spree. Police here speculating that a possible serial killer may have struck again. I told her to get out of the car and that's when she became afraid and then I shot her. Crime Corner. Crime. Crime Corner. Crime Corner. Do where, you? Where a kid can be a kid. <laughs> Do you like crime? Guys, did you have some fun last night? I think we need to address it. Yes. Joel got me super, super drunk last no, night. No, you got me I... drunk. No. Okay, that might be true. You were pouring shots. Uh, and I was surprised. Normally, I'm the one that talks him into drinking with me. and Yeah. He, he was refilling the shots as soon as they were gone, and I was proud of you. I... Well, because I take it seriously. Yeah, you're not... <laughs> This is this is a passion for me. <laughs> Drinking? <laughs> it's become a passion. I was just I'm jealous because you guys you guys had a fun little old school dirtbag night, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. It was Where a it's fucking, like it was a mess from start to finish. You smoke sticks. Smoked cigarettes. We you st- smoked a real rain. stick, dude. Joel got me to smoke a single heater. Are you smoking again? Oh, yeah. I'm back. Oh, you're back, baby. Got a pack of cigarettes in my backpack right now. You want to smoke? Really? Uh, Chain smoking all day, every day. It's like me back when I was in California. In the morning, even? (laughs) I haven't smoked a cigarette today. No. Remember those days? Oh, yeah. That's when you know you're really back. That was my favorite part of the day when I was a smoker. Like, I still miss it. Waking up first thing in the morning, like, staggering outside, Mm -hmm. hacking up a lung, Uh smoking a cigarette, Mm -hmm. drinking some coffee. It made made me feel good. Exactly. That was my daily version of going to the gym, but I'm not a nerd. <laughs> I like it. Samesies. Samesies. So look, um, I've got a newborn, so I'm not sleeping. You guys got Alcohol. wasted, old school wasted. How, how late do you guys stay up, you reckon? I have no was idea. Was it a threesies yeah, or foursies? Yeah, it must have been. Ooh, later? It was, it it was, was late, late enough that... That I was so drunk, I didn't even bother looking at the clock. I just staggered in and, and I fell asleep fell. sitting up. Yeah, yeah. I had to, I had to get up and push him over while he was on the couch because he was snoring so loud, and I, I couldn't fall. I was, I was so drunk, but I still couldn't fall asleep because he was snoring so loud. <laughs> Did you guys like do stuff together? No, separate. Do you know rooms. what I mean? Like, you what know, you if, you're, if you're if you're that drunk that late, did you guys kind of like? You know what I mean? Just two dudes you know, in the that, night. That was the that was the <laughs> most times that I've I've seen Joel naked from the waist down in years. Oh yeah. Okay. Uh, I ripped his shower curtain off, threw it on the ground in the living room, and tried to take a tried, shit on it. Tried to take a shit on it. <laughs> okay, true, guys. True so story. it went from like a cute little dirtbag <laughs> night to now I'm like. It got weird. It's okay Things, that I wasn't there. I was feeling a little bit. Jealous for a second. No, but nothing now to be jealous it feels about. like you guys were getting out some yeah, deep-seated issues. Yeah, we're both ashamed of ourselves, and <laughs> the entire drive over here to the studio, we couldn't make eye contact. This is the first time that we've actually talked to each other since last night. Oh, we can only I do it through the mics. I love it. I love it. Oh, but this I is like therapy those. for us. This is therapy, and I think this mm-hmm. is the perfect episode. Episode of Crime Corner, our yeah. new show. Jesse Wiseman's Crime Corner makes me very uncomfortable you know, to say. You, you, Joel and I both insist. 
You guys it, insist, it is which is Jesse the, Wiseman's crime corner. It's the only way that I'll do anything like that is if other people are like, "No, you're so pretty," <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, "No, no, I can't. Don't take a picture." I'm like, no, you no, are so perfect. I don't want to name the yeah, show yeah, yeah. after myself. I should don't. the should the name go before or after the title? Before I had it just ready. I'm like, before obviously bigger <laughs> yeah, too. I need the letters way. bigger. And here's some sketches I've already made. <laughs> yeah. And if you guys were just kind of, I don't know, wondering about the thumbnail, these are um, just a couple portraits of me. If you want to turn those into a thumbnail. Um, but I thought the tagline could be, nobody puts Jables in the corner. I love yes. that. You like it? I love it. Not a huge um, Dirty Dancing fan, but that line, you know, I think it'll work. It's just cheesy enough, right? I don't think anybody is a Dirty Dancing fan. No, right? It's a terrible movie. I was thinking, watching <laughs> that movie as a mom is a totally different situation, and I'll tell you why. <laughs> that little fucking baby, was that her name? Yeah. She was a, a nightmare child. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Just running around with this, like, old dance instructor guy. Just horn around with Patrick lived, Swayze. Yeah, like, well, she went with her <laughs> rich-ass family to this place, and she found, like... This old guy that lives on the grounds, right, and dances sometimes, and she like insisted that her dad let her fucking have sex with him. Yeah, you know what I mean? And that grooming. he needs to be cool with it. Dad, she's sixteen, man. It's not like she's like a grown woman. So he's a pedophile. Well, Patrick yeah, Swayze dude. turned her into a woman. Yeah, it was. <laughs> it's a pedophile story, you guys. Whoa. No, he was he was full I'm blown grooming because it in that movie yeah. Pat, Patrick Swayze was was of age he was Ooh. an adult yes yes I'm what gonna the... say at least mid twenties right in <coughs> real life he was older than that yeah um and she was a little bit older in real life what they were playing was like full on grooming pedophile ages yeah. <laughs> So ro- like so romantic. Now. It's horrifying. Yeah, it's, now. A, it's a disgusting movie it's on like, multiple God, levels. Yeah, I'm gonna have to watch it again. So, like, when you first watch it, you're like, "Her dad fucking sucks." You know what I mean? Nobody puts baby in the corner. Why wouldn't she let him fuck that guy? And then, as you get older, you're like, on the dad's side. Oh yeah. And you're a- like, why did you 100%. not smack the shit out of her? Dude, somebody should have gone and fucking stomped a mud hole in Patrick Swayze's ass for being a pedophile. The cops should have been involved. Do you know what oh, I mean? Yeah. Like, during that dance scene, right before she was about to be like this, the cop should have come and just, like, put his arm, <laughs> and then she falls on the ground, right? But, like, it wasn't, it's not a cute story, but that's not what we're talking about. All right, so the fact that you guys are hungover is perfect for this case because it's super complicated. Oh, trust me. It's going to be that way for and every I'm single need, episode. Yeah, I'm going to need I'm going to need you guys little dum-dums to try and follow. Okay. Okay. Don't interrupt me. You're not allowed to talk. You're just going to sit there. You're eye candy only. Okay. Just kidding. I'm going to need you to interrupt me because guys, I'm not like really a host, right? I just like murder and crime. <laughs> you know what I mean, well, and I just want to find a way. You're you're a white female in America. Of course, you like of true crime. Of course, I do. Which I think we should kind of say because, I mean, we're not doing anything revolutionary here, right? But we're doing it. Dip, you know, it's our show. Mm-hmm. 
we're one of a million crimes. <laughs> okay, when, when you first started off with that, I thought you were going in a d- different direction where you're going to like put out some sort of podcast segregation. Where I just want to say, yeah. by the way, yeah, this podcast, white women only. White women only. <laughs> Nobody else can listen to the show. I don't want anyone to listen who's from Canada, <laughs> if you know what I mean. Um, no. Famously ethnic country. Famously. Um, and that's my o- my only expertise, and I think all of us, our only expertise is that we, you know, like crime. And can talk. And can talk and, and read. Well, sort of can talk. It yeah. sort of can I read. I can talk <laughs> or yeah. read, yeah. Okay, so we're talking about Timothy Hennis and the Eastburn murders. Um, I'm intrigued with this case. We're going to do a little teaser. I'm intrigued with this case because he is the only person to be tried three times for his life. Ever. <laughs> what? Idiot. Couldn't get yeah, it right. I know. Couldn't get it right the first time. Couldn't get Loser. it right the first time. You know, triple we, jeopardy. Triple jeopardy. <laughs> so I'm sequel I'm, to double yeah, jeopardy. Yeah. So I'm mulling over a couple titles. Either it's triple jeopardy. I think triple jeopardy is. Really I like bad. it too. Three times the charm. The three trials of Timothy Hennis, or the uh, cursed members only jacket because I think in this story you guys are going to see a common theme with a members only jacket which, oh yeah that anybody that wears one is a murderer but in the 80s like didn't everybody wear them everybody was a serial killer in the 80s have you, yeah. have you read through yeah. the history of serial killers as soon as members <laughs> only jackets only went out of style the number of serial killers plummeted yeah, and you're going to actually, this case kind of gets into that where there wasn't DNA testing at the time. So, like, in it was in its infancy. It wasn't exact, so people weren't using it. So, in the 80s, if you were just like, I didn't do it, and you had a pretty sweet alibi, you, d- you were off. Do you know what I mean? Or if you just had an idiot testifying on your behalf. Like, yeah. whether or not they were, they were on yeah, yeah, your yeah. side, that just somebody yeah. was like, oh, yeah, I saw everything happen. Yeah. They went on, like, witness testimony all the time, which they kind of did in this. So, um, in 1985, the Eastburn family lived at 367 Summer Hill Road, just off base near Fort Bragg in Fayetteville, one of the most patriotic cities in the nation, the biggest uh, military base. Um, Gary Eastburn, an Air Force captain, was away at Squadron Officers School in Alabama, and the family, his family, planned on moving to England later that year, and their English setter, their dog Dixie, could not make the move. Okay? <laughs> but it's, it's, an, it's an English setter. Isn't that just like right? taking it home? Yeah. Were they not going to l- let it like, back in the country? It's, its yeah. passport wasn't in order? Yeah, the dog was like, what the fuck, dude? Um, there's a couple things with the dog in the beginning where I'm like, come on. Um, <laughs> it's a dog. Yeah, but you can't, I mean, do you really want to like take it in the airplane? And, you know, moving with uh, three children, right, all the way across country, you're probably, if you're going to leave something behind, I would leave the baby. But, yeah. <laughs> uh, but they, I guess, wanted to leave the dog. I, I was going to say, it's yeah. much harder to travel with children than harder. it is for, you can't put a child in the, in the luggage bay. Yeah, if you're going to choose which you one to like ch- You can't leave. check a child like it's a, a suitcase. Yeah, exactly. You create the dog, put it under the plane, and ship it out. Well, what I'm getting at is you should be able to do that with a baby. 
Yeah, yeah. But people are just so up in arms about taking care of kids for some goddamn reason. They're surprisingly resilient. I'm sure that you can. Oh yeah, the the baby would be fine. Um. So, anyways, (laughs) the baby will be already just fine. (laughs) Already. I mean, I have so many pages, so many pages. Okay. Okay. (laughs) I'm just joking. What she's trying to say? Shut the fuck up. Katie Eastburn, uh, his his wife was home alone because he was away in Alabama. She was home alone with her three young daughters, so she thought that would maybe be a sweet time to put an ad in the paper for someone to come, inviting strangers (laughs) in. I don't want to victim blame, and I'm not victim blaming, but I'm just saying, like, it was the 80s, right? We trusted a little bit more. But anyways, she thought that would be a good time to put an ad in the paper for someone to come and rehome Dixie. So, on May 7th, Tim Hennis, Timothy Hennis, a 27-year-old Army sergeant who lived across town with his new wife and young daughter, answered the ad. Tim is 6'6", by the way. I'm going to be saying a couple little things in here that are going to sound like why is she, you know, over-explaining, but they're all going to kind of come back later. Okay. Okay? He was a beefcake is what you're saying. Um, by the way, Total he was... Total fucking beefcake. Unfortunately, and I hate to say this, but I'm going to say it right now, he was my type. <laughs> he was a good-looking guy. He was a good-looking guy. I, I he was a mustachioed, yeah. blonde, six-six, hmm. little bit of meat on the bones. You could something to grab onto when you're falling off the bed. <laughs> so, <laughs> so he's a hunk. He's a he was kind of a hunk, right? But six-six is on the line of comfy to fall of, asleep on. Yeah, that too tall. No, yeah. if, if you get above six-six, you start getting into like gigantism territory, mm-hmm. and that's when you start looking yeah. like Richard Keel from. But he from looked Ega. totally normal. He was like, oh, no, yeah, he, he didn't a, have that cro magnet thing, you know what I mean? Like, if anybody's watching the, the video, yeah, like Coop. exactly what, it, what I'm pointing out right here. Yeah, that fucking brick on your forehead. But Coop is like, you know, he's, he's prehistoric. He's I'm, a man. I'm also, only, man. I'm also only 6'3", so it, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm below like the weird level of... Yeah, yeah. But you're, you're most women's handsome. ideal. Mine, 6'6". Six, six. He could have been a little fatter. But whatever. <laughs> it's blonde mustachio. Um, so Katie, a petite, pretty brunette, greeted Tim and invited him inside. Sure. Come Why on not? in, 6'6". Six, six. You know what I mean? I'm here. <laughs> yeah. She told him, I just put my kids to bed. She did. Come on in. Come on in. My husband's out of town. He, my husband's out of town. He's going to be gone for a long time. I've never heard of Ed Kemper before, so I'm not afraid of giants. Nope, I don't know any <laughs> of the neighbors. Nobody's going to be checking on me. <laughs> um, so <laughs> they chatted and played with the dog briefly, and then Tim ultimately left with Dixie and drove off in his white Chevette. Keep that in Ooh. the old noggin for later. So four days later... Handsome guy, nice car. Nice guy. Mm, I know. I like him already. A little Chevette. Uh, four Was days... he in uniform at the time? No. Okay. No. That would have been... That would have put me over the edge right there. <laughs> <laughs> you would have raped him. <laughs> um, <laughs> not that I'm not saying I'm not giving anything away. I'm not spoiling anything, but... <laughs> Coop would have turned it right around on him. <laughs> so four days later, Gary Eastburn tried calling his wife, but there was no answer. The next day, on Mother's Day, May 11th, gosh, so many. Was this where you were like, fuck? I know, I know. Once I started looking into it, as I soon know. as it got into the details of the murder, like every 
it didn't help that I was hungover when I was sure. when I was going through all this. Yeah. Yeah. Every yeah. last part of it, I was like, Jesus Christ, this is the first episode we're going to do. I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> and I was like, I wanted to do another one, um, the uh, Stephen Stainer and his brother. But I was oh, like, oh, yeah. I don't want to do stuff with kids. All right. Turns out most fucking people that kill or do fucked up shit. It involves There's children. kids. Yeah. You know? It's hard to find just like a adult-on-adult adult crime. Well, Very because it, hard. if you look at the the history of Canada especially, if you just murder some some random adult out in the middle of nowhere, primarily indigenous people, sure, nobody's nobody going to give cares. a shit. Your name's not going to be remembered anywhere. It's very true. You got to go for the kids. You got to go, <laughs> got to go for the, <laughs> got to go over the top. Coop. Coop. Go, go thought about gold. this too go much. Go for the gold. Okay. Um, so on Mother's Day, May 11th, the Eastburn's neighbor noticed uh, newspapers piling up on the driveway and when he heard a baby crying inside, called the police. Okay, not going to get super gruesome, but here we go. When the police arrived, they cut open a screen in the baby's room and handed the severely malnourished 22-month-old Jana to the neighbor along with some diapers and a bottle. The officer recalled the unmistakable odor of death, which they talk about a lot. I hope that I never have to smell that. But like when people that have smelled it talk about it, it's, it's very recognizable. Yeah, and like you know it immediately, even if you've never smelt it before. You know what I'm saying? So again, I don't want to ever. You haven't smelled. You're right, bud. Yep, good. You good. Good. You good over there. I'm telling be. you, next time, bring the bottle in. <laughs> yeah. So you could be blackout by the time we do the show. <laughs> mm. What ha- what happened? It- <laughs> no, it, come on. No, it is. <laughs> no, it is good. No, that, I know. I'm that sorry. we're not getting into the. the we're not going to totally get into the details. I'm just going to tell you. Uh, so it's bad. It's real bad. Joel, I'll tell you after. Did you the go pee pee? I went pee. I mean, we're, I'm going to tell you kind of what happened, but we're not going to like go super into it because we need to know like what he did. But um, anyways, when the officer, the officer recalled the unmistakable odor, and when he saw a dead body at the end of the hallway, he radioed for the homicide unit. Now, a little bit of levity here, but uh, detectives, like partner detectives, always have like the best names together. Oh. Um, the, these officers, Rob Biddles and Jack Watts. So Biddles and Watts. Biddles and Watts, <laughs> dude, on the scene. Maybe we can name it that, right? <laughs> Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Biddles and like, Watts. Yeah, and they walk in and just like smell it and fucking <laughs> But Biddles and Watts are Kick on the case. The front door, walk in, yeah, and start yeah, yeah, yeah. They're like Biddles always passes out <laughs> yeah. when he sees a dead body. Okay, <laughs> so bad. But yeah, Biddles and then Watts is always the one that's like, "Come on, Biddles, right?" Yeah, he's more... Get it together, uh, man. Watts is the one that wakes up every morning and, like, mixes half a bottle of Pepto-Bismol with Jack yeah, yeah, Daniels, yeah. chugs it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it really... Yeah, yeah, yeah. He can just handle it. Um, so... Bills they, and Watts are on the scene. Yeah, so maybe... I mean, I was kind of throwing, like, uh, as far as, like, a title, something about that, you know what I mean? The Adventures of Biddles and Watts. What's the matter, Biddles? You've never seen a bunch of murdered yeah. children before? <laughs> um, so they first found five-year-old Kara under her Star Wars blanket, stabbed uh, repeatedly in the chest with her throat slit. Yep. 
Then they found three-year-old Aaron bludgeoned and nearly decapitated. On the other side lay Katie, naked from the waist down, stabbed 15 times. Her throat was also slit, and she had been raped. An aluminol test revealed a bloody crime scene, and the killer attempted to clean up the scene. Okay, done. That's it. That's all we're going to talk about as far as, like, that. So I was... I just needed to know, because I think the brutalness <clears throat> of the crime did not match someone doing this just one time. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, that's something that I was I was curious about. And yeah. also, I, I couldn't figure out why... So the, the detective said that they were confused about the little amount of blood on the crime scene considering yes. its brutality. And yes. that's when they did the luminol tests yes. and they figured out that somebody had tried to clean it up. Yes. What... I don't Why understand that you leave the bodies there. Yeah, that it really didn't prevent anybody from finding out that there was a murder. Yeah, the bodies weren't hidden. Did he just? Did the the killer just go like, "Oh wait, shit, this is way too much work." I like get tried to here. do it, but then was like, "Uh, fuck," right? Or tried to do it, was taking stuff out to the you know, like bags out to the car or something and someone saw him he got spooked and so then he, he just split i don't know but that's interesting yeah when you first hear this you think this is like overkill which is usually someone that knows them a crime of passion right so like this is not just someone like oh i need some money or it's a break and gone wrong or something because you wouldn't just stab people that many times, like try and like actually cut off heads. Like you, so how many people are dead? Two, three, three, three. And Two then the baby, and the yeah, and, and then yeah, the baby then was, was a... left alive, but was there for like four days, totally malnourished. They Hours said away like... from death, from yeah. what I heard. If they hadn't found the the child at that point, the little yeah. girl, then she, she would have like died of starvation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, just crying no in her. Yeah, it's horrible. That's also. Something else that I thought was kind of curious is why leave the baby mm-hmm. there? Why leave Why leave the baby? Because the baby was old enough. She was what just just under two years old. Yeah, so she was twenty two had... months. So she would have been able to talk a little bit, right? Yeah. So you're kind of like you think that he's getting rid of everybody that can identify him. Yeah. And then maybe he didn't. I don't know. Maybe he didn't see her. Or whatever, but for some reason she was left alive. Hmm. Um, so Gary Eastburn was flown back from Alabama, and they didn't even really tell him what happened because they couldn't. So he sort of knew that someone was dead, and he kept asking, like, how many? Yeah, when and the police called, he had tried to contact his family before yes. and hadn't gotten an answer. So once he got a phone call from the police, he knew something was wrong. And his yes. first question was, how many of them are dead? Yeah. Which that is a... It's a weird question, right? It's a very weird question and also a horrifying question to ask where it's like, all right, how many got killed? Yeah, because I have so many. Do you know what I mean? I, I don't know. It was weird and they sort of uh, looked into that a little bit. But once they questioned him, I mean, first of all, his alibi is airtight. Um, But he ended... I mean, he was never really a suspect. If he was in town no matter where he was, if he wasn't on like military orders where they could actually show where he was, I think he would have been convicted for this, right? Just oh, because absolutely. I don't know if they could look past uh, him doing it. 
But um, anyways, he and so he was questioned and pressed for leads, and he told police that a man came and took their dog, but he didn't know anything about him. So um, noticing the crime scene, uh, yeah, so it didn't know anything about him. So that's all he kind of knew, but that's what he gave to police. Is like his wife had told him that somebody took the dog. Mm. So him be Timothy Hennis being there uh, was one thing, and she told her husband about it, but she was still alone for four days after that. So I guess we're assuming that maybe he came back. But anyways, so noticing the crime, the police. One of their heads oh, was almost chopped off. I think two of them, yeah. I'll, but yeah, one of I'll the I'll tell the you the, the gory details after the show. Yeah. Okay, if anybody wants to know those details, they can look them up on their own. But we're trying to make Jesus. jokes about things, and if we get into the, I know. We're not gonna, into we're the not bad details, to, then people are going to know that we're fucking We're not going to be monsters. able to banter and, uh, and uh, have, some, have some fun slaps and tickles. <laughs> um <laughs> But anyways, noticing the crime scene at the Eastburn's house, Patrick Cohn, a neighbor, sought out police to tell them that shortly after 3 a.m. on Friday morning, he saw a tall white male wearing jeans, a knit cap, and a members-only jacket. This is the first time that our main character is <laughs> The, the is real main character of the story. The members-only jacket. The black members-only jacket. Black members-only jacket. Um, so he was wearing a knit cap and a, and a members-only jacket and left the Eastburns home with a trash bag slung over his shoulder. And he said, I guess as Cone was passing, the male said to him, getting an early start this morning. Um, and then he got in his white Chevette and drove away. According to Cone, um, uh, Cone worked with white the... White Chevette, which was also driven by... Yes. Oh. So basically he's just, I mean, he's straight up describing... Hennis. I mean, yeah. tall, well, man, white male, knit cap, members only, Chevette, um, 3 a.m. on Friday. That would make sense because they were killed on Thursday. Anyway, so Cone worked with the detectives. Who? Biddles and Watts. Worked with the detectives to create a composite sketch. Uh, meantime, detectives were walking Gary through the home to see what items were missing. So what was missing from the house was an envelope of cash. And then Katie's ATM card along with a piece of paper with the pin number on it. Uh, wasn't there also a, a metal lockbox that went missing? Or was oh, that what the envelope yes. of cash was in? No. So they said a lockbox. They didn't know what was in that, but the lockbox was uh, missing. I think the cash was in there. Oh, okay. That would make sense. Yeah. So he asked her for the pin and wrote it down? No, I think, well, maybe... Well, he was. Everyone was thinking that she just like had it kind of written down in her wallet. She'd probably have that memorized. Yes, but then so. why? Yeah, why would Gary? Why would the husband know that it was there? Because he mm. had to go through and say everything that was missing. Yeah. So he pointed out that the card was missing, along with the piece of paper that she kept. In it. I'm sure he had this conversation of fight with her all the time. Which was what like, you... don't keep the fucking piece of paper in the Just wallet. Just remember the goddamn and number. It's four it's fucking four numbers. Four numbers. <laughs> you can so remember sure... every single time I leave the toilet seat up, but you can't remember these four fucking numbers. Exactly. Exactly. So. And that's why he killed her. That was missing, and that's and that's why the husband did it. 
The husband always does it. But I mean, I don't know in this case. So Tim, Tim Hennis was watching TV on Wednesday with his wife when he saw that he was a suspect in Katie's murder. So he drove with his wife and his child to um, the sheriff's office and just turned, him, you know, turned himself in for questioning. But uh, he was pretty, they, they noticed that he was pretty arrogant and kind of a dick, although that does not make you a murderer, right? Yeah. If Otherwise, I was 6'6", six, six, handsome, driving a Chevette, had a members-only jacket, yeah. it's the 80s, right? I would have been fucking arrogant, too. I would have been a, a dick. And also, you're bothering me with this shit? You know what I mean? <laughs> I've got stuff to do. You think I need to kill a lady to have sex with her? I know. Look at Have me. you seen me? I'm freaking everybody's type. <laughs> That's what they call the He Her- basically Errol was Flynn saying defense. shit like that, though. <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> Just like, you better know what you're doing, guys. Like, um, But anyways, and he also, besides being a little bit you know, arrogant and kind of a dick. He was really cooperative and gave up every bit of his fluids. Like, had no problem giving, like, blood sam- samples, fingerprint. Semen. Yeah, he jacked well, no, see, off the, on him. The crazy thing is they couldn't even test semen for DNA back then. Right. And he yeah. just jerked off on the detective yeah. detective's desk anyway. Yeah. Because he was like, trying to, he said, test this. Test <laughs> this, Watson. Yeah, yeah. It's Try and stop 80s, me. It's the 80s, right? <laughs> Gosh, we're really making him sound horrible. He's, he sounds but, like an asshole. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, depending on where you where Speak you land, <laughs> depending on where you land on this case, I mean, maybe he maybe he was a big dick, uh, and we can be making fun of him. I really want to hear what your take on this is yeah. because I don't know if I have the the same take as you, but I haven't done as much research about this as you have. We might have the same take. Okay. Okay. Because it sounds like no. Um. So, yeah, he gave up all of his fluids, which, again, if it was if he had consulted with me first, <laughs> we all know, get you a lawyer. Don't even go in for questioning. I mean, but again, it's the 80s. Nobody's listening to true crime podcasts and learning <laughs> that, like, they have so many more rights than they they, realize. they think. Yeah. Yeah. But sorry. When, uh, just the, the first. Just all of his fluids. First image that popped in my mind when you said he gave up all of his fluids. <laughs> he just kind of like explodes from every orifice. Oh, he did a number seven right in front of him, right? <laughs> <laughs> we like to bring that back. Yeah. Number seven. He just did a number seven right in front of him. All right. We need saliva, uh, saliva, blood, semen. Oh, you, you want a number seven. All right. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Vomit, poo poo. Oh yeah, so crying. It's, it's peep. Yeah, pee pee, poo poo, tears, blood, semen, Vomit. snot. Vomit. Earwax. Is there another one? Uh, women milk. can do titty milk. Yeah, women can uh, do. Well, that's that's getting into milk. Milwaukee milkshake territory. Yes, exactly. Which we're this is not. That's not why we're here, only guys. The child's involved. I promised I wasn't going to talk about prolapse, and you guys <laughs> fucking got me on it already. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe the name of the show should be Don't Say Prolapse. <laughs> it's a game we like to play, and I always lose. Don't Say Prolapse with Jesse Weissman. <laughs> Don't with Jesse Weissman. I promise you can't do it. Um, he was questioned for seven hours, and he ultimately said he picked up the dog on Tuesday, and besides a call on Thursday to see how the dog was, he had not seen her since. 
Um, he didn't even know that she was murdered until he saw on the on the TVs. Until he saw the body in the house after he murdered her. Yeah, yeah. I didn't even know she was dead. Dead until I went back to the scene to try and clean it up. And are are you okay, Joel? I'm good. We're done with that. We're not going to talk about what exactly happened. Oh no, I'm going to give you all the nitty gritty details when I'm when I'm driving sure you home will. tonight. Yeah. Just going to puke <laughs> puke in your car. Um, Did he go back? You think he he left and came back? Got some more action. So that's what they're going to. Well, he's not a Ted say. Bundy type, I don't think. Like, what, I don't, I don't what, think what? he went back to the crime scene to no it, what, to reassault the corpse. No, but what Joel is saying is exactly what they are saying, which is he got the dog. He saw that there's a woman there alone. Yeah, and that he she's going to be alone for a long time. He could come back. Do you know what I mean? So he kind of like thought about it. Yeah, he had time Called to think her. and was like, all right. That's what they're saying. But anyways, after showing uh, Patrick Cohn, the first witness, the first and only witness, really, um, a photo lineup of uh, a photo a photo lineup and a vehicle lineup, essentially like picking out what the vehicle was, he positively identified Hennis and his white Chevette. <laughs> hey, and bro, later... which one of these cars is the most badass? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> which one did you see? <laughs> um, later that evening slash morning at 1 a.m., police uh, descended on Hennis's home and arrested him on three counts of murder, one count of rape. Um, and he is loosely quoted as saying, I only heard it one place. He said, I hope you guys know what you're doing. And I guess I get to wear one of those orange jumpsuits now. Now, listen. Damn. Did he say that? I don't know. Did the detective just hate him anyways and like say that he said thing? I just don't, I don't know. That's well, just that, dumb. It's not even funny. Yeah. And that's also one of the issues with a lot of police investigations is they're looking for a culprit. They're looking for somebody to pin a crime on to i'm not i'm not saying that you know all cops are dirty or all all investigations are dirty but the incentive is to close the case yes so if you can find somebody that has enough reasonable evidence pointing towards them as being the culprit yeah it's kind of human nature to it's the it's a bias it's a, a logical fallacy where you're you're going to kind of add some extra things to it to yeah. Even subconsciously to to make it that much more likely that... Like, think about just making, like, a documentary. If somebody wants to make somebody look guilty in a documentary, for example, they just pick and choose the different types of evidence, the, you know, eyewitness ten- testimony, whatever it may be, to make it point in that direction. If you look mm. at all of the evidence, you kind of be like, oh, well, there's reasonable doubt, right? Yeah, it's a... But uh, a lot of times, and probably definitely in the 80s, the detectives had someone they thought it was, and they did whatever they could, you know, as far as, like, maybe when they show the lineup, they kind of, like, push one closer. Yeah. Or make it, like, the first photo, whatever they need to do to be like, hey, this is the guy you saw, right? Because that's the person that they think 
That's the person that they... It's the one they want to get. Yeah, and they've already decided, and anything else that kind of comes up for reasonable doubt, they can deal with in court, basically. And it, it also falls under, it's really two different logical fallacies, where it's the confirmation bias and yes. the sunken cost fallacy, where yes. they're, they're putting effort into proving that this one particular person so is, is the, mm-hmm. the uh, culprit. Mm. Killer. So the more time that they put into that, the more important it is for them to to confirm that this person is indeed guilty. Right. Yeah. And, and, and they'll even believe thing. it themselves. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, that's the thing. I don't even know if every time it's uh, there's malice or anything like that or they're doing like a dirty cops or anything. I think it's just when you see a crime scene like that with kids dead – you have someone that it probably is. You're like, you're gonna I, hate him already. Yeah, and you're just yep. gonna be like, fucking, this guy did this, we gotta get and this I'm gonna, yeah. even if I have to plant evidence, I'm gonna make sure that he, right? I know it's him, so I'm gonna make sure that he gets exactly convicted. And that, like OJ, that poor even, OJ. Do you know uh, what I mean? That, like, he got they fucking, did that on Naked he got murder. railroaded. Yes. Um, what's his name? Stephen Avery. Yeah. That motherfucker did it, though. He did it for sure, and I think they knew. <laughs> yeah. And But they were exactly. like, we can't really prove it, so let's plant some shit to make sure he gets it. Exactly, but make sure you don't get caught when you're doing that. Make sure you're sure and that you don't get caught, because then the case gets thrown out and motherfuckers yeah. are walking. Yeah, and, and they, also they you look fucked at, up. They would have got the way that they didn't plant shit. Yep. You look at the way that they made the documentary. When you watch the documentary, you are just you are positive that this guy's innocent because that's what the documentary exactly. makers want right. people to think. Exactly. So it's the the whole confirmation bias. Right. Exactly. So now he goes, uh, we are heading into trial. So let's talk about the things that uh, they have against him. So his alibi is that he took his wife and daughter to her mother's house on the 9th to drop them off for Mother's Day. Mm, I don't like it. A couple days early. A couple days early, and why aren't you going, right? And who the fuck wants to spend two days with their mom for Mother's Day? Seriously. You you just need to do brunch, and then it's over and done with. Yeah, or like you guys all go together for the weekend. I'm not sure why. He meets Katie on the 7th, right? Gets the dog. Okay. On the 9th, he then drives his whole family away and then comes back. Interesting. Then possibly that night goes over to Katie's. Just saying. That's yeah. what they that's what they're they're saying. That basically he has no alibi because he dropped off everyone that could corroborate and he's by himself. There was something else that I heard he did that night also. Was it burning the stuff? It was going to see an ex. Oh yes. So this one I haven't read everywhere, but and it kind of comes up, but um, he had gone to see uh, an ex-girlfriend and after he had dropped off. So it would be the night of the murder, but earlier. And she was like, how's your marriage going? And he's like, she left me. Basically saying, like, I'm not lying because she, like, left. <laughs> Technically. To her mom's, right? I know. And I guess the nothing happened. She said, we're just splitting hairs. Yeah, yeah. She said nothing happened, but like it seemed like he was kind of trying and saying that they had problems. Um, so he's a douche. Yeah. If the stuff is true. Well, this guy seems like a douche. He seems like a douche. He seems like the most unlucky guy ever, as far Bro, as. Bro, he's 6'6. He drives a, 
drives he's, a sick he's got ass car. Testosterone he's got a members only jacket. <laughs> you know he's what got I a mean? Mustache. No, Wife's this, away? this guy's not a douche. He fucks. <laughs> yeah. This guy is his exes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This train is right on time. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but that, you know, according to her, which I, I don't know if they really go into it in court, but it is definitely something that they talk about. Um, his uh, I think it was something that the the prosecution tried to use. Yes, is that he got got shot down in one spot. Mm-hmm. So he was like, "Yeah, well, where else can I go?" Yeah. Oh, the the woman that's alone, mm-hmm. whose yep. husband is out of town. So she was like, "Fuck off," and he was like, "Fine." All right, I'll I know some, some people. exactly. I know somebody little fucking was kind of flirting with me. Right then, she shoots him down. It's like, "What the fuck, bro?" Like, you got the dog. Let's go, and then. Possibly. Now this is, we're all just, uh, this is the prosecution's case. We don't know. We weren't there. But um, the neighbors also recall him burning stuff in his backyard. So burning some items, which is not something that he normally did. It's not like, oh, they always had this like burn pit and kind of burn mm. leaves or whatever. Like my fucking asshole neighbor at my old house <laughs> that would just burn fucking wet leaves every weekend like he lives in the country. We're not in the... Co- yeah. <laughs> you know. You, my- you sure it was just wet leaves? Exactly. But that... Smelled like barbecue every time, which was weird. <laughs> it was so... It was so smoky. It would, like, come into my house. I could, like... It was on my clothes. Just, that sucks. Yeah. Couldn't even smell the cigarettes you were smoking. Exactly. It it's one the of these ass. things yes. where it's like, dude, you live in a nice neighborhood, okay? You're not... Fucking white trash in the country. And by the way, go ahead. If you have 20 acres, burn your shit. I don't care. If you're right at my fence, we're going to have problems. Yeah. And by problems, I mean I just talk shit behind his back and didn't say anything to him. <laughs> <laughs> but we're going to have those kind of problems, guys, where I just don't do anything about it. Um, Door slam that he can And you hear. will never know if I'm mad. That's Never fun, RSVP right? to parties. Yeah, yeah. Take I that, you have, son you know, of a that bitch. Party, that party that we had for the kids with all the fucking jumpy houses and everything. Yeah. No invite, bro. Did Turn the him? music up. No, fuck him. <laughs> That's the kind of thing I'll do. Little things like that. And that you being won't said, know the, why. the kids showed up and they were still invited in and, and Oh, yeah, yeah, well, yeah. But... No, I ended up going to the fence and being like, hey, buddy, you want to come over? But like, fuck him. You know what I mean? <laughs> and he will know the wrath of like me being a little bit mad for a second and not telling him about it. <laughs> but anyways, <laughs> um, so, uh, and then also Friday morning after the, uh, after the murders, uh, Hennis took in a single piece of clothing be dry cleaned. What was it? Black members only jacket. Boom. Because mm. it had blood its... on it. Yeah. Why else, by the way? Why else? It's not like you're taking, it's like taking a hoodie in. Here you go, sir. Like just one hoodie and being like, can you dry clean this? They're like, can you? You probably wash it, right? <laughs> so it was a little bit you, weird. You know, it's probably easier to just burn it. We know what you're doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's blood on we it, We get right? these multiple times a week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anytime a members-only jacket comes in, there's fucking blood, blood on it. it. Yeah. <laughs> they also had the eyewitness testimony of Cone, and uh, Hennis was actually uh, behind on his rent. His rent was $300. That's the amount. Uh, $300. And he was magically able to pay it 
And then also a woman that the police tracked down. And I, w I say tracked down because it's one of those things where they wanted someone to corroborate it. So they found a woman that used the ATM a little bit after Katie's card was used. And she first said, I don't remember anyone standing there. And then after the detectives kind of questioned her more, then she remembered seeing a tall, blonde-haired man after, standing at the ATM. After the detectives just slid yeah, a five-dollar yeah. bill across yeah. the table. <laughs> she first said, I, d I don't remember anything. I just went to the ATM. It's like, there might have been someone in front of me. I don't know. Well, Mr. Abraham Lincoln here yeah. Yeah. says you that you saw a six. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and let me introduce you to his other friend, Mr. George Washington. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's a coin. Six dollars. Oh, I, I saw. I saw. Uh, maybe I did see your guy. Yep. Knit cap members only. They're like, no, no, no. Just say blonde hair. Don't go too far. Right. <laughs> just say blonde hair. Make guy. it believable. Like, oh, okay, okay, okay. Covered in blood. Yeah, because, yeah, yeah. Right. He was covered, covered in blood. In... He was carrying bodies. Three bodies. No. no, no, no. <laughs> just don't. Just say. Just kind of give a little. You know. Okay. 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 Uh, yeah. Oh, and then as well as the girl, the visit to the girlfriend. That's also what they had. So the prosecution showed this huge slideshow of crime scene photos of the kids and the wife, also autopsy photos. And after oh, every God. huge, and they made it, they did this thing where like made it really big on the wall for the jury. After every time they uh, a slide was shown, they were like, "This guy, baby killer!" Like they really played on the juries, like mm -hmm. like us right now. If we saw this guy sitting here and those pictures and somebody told us that he did it, we would be like, yes. That yes. would very much affect your decision. Yes, mm -hmm. somebody needs to pay. If you're saying it's him, let's just fucking go with it, right? Like the wine bottle image from the Amber Heard trial, Johnny Depp trial. You see that wine bottle on the ground, you're like, he yeah. fucking did it. That piece of shit. Yeah. <laughs> Motherfucker. Yeah. That or, the, uh, yeah, poop. Thought the poop. Yeah, the, the poop is. It was more the poop. The poop is what swayed me the most. <laughs> yeah, I think it was more the poop. Amber, no, no poopy. <laughs> Amber, <laughs> Amber, no. Um, so the jury took only ten hours to convict Hennis on three counts of first degree murder, <coughs> one count of rape. Yeah. He was ultimately sentenced to death. Joel, do you think this is over? Uh uh, bud. You got a long road ahead of you. No more murder stuff. I got another seltzer. Yeah. Right here. So he's in jail. You think, okay, we got the guy. Let's move on with our lives. Um, so in 1988, uh, so Hennis obviously is trying to appeal because he's, to this day, actually, he's saying that he was completely innocent. He's he still alive, this guy? Yeah. Buckle up. Look. Buckle up. In 1988. The story concludes surprisingly recently. Really? Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, Hey, we just opened some cans, so we should cheers. Oh, cheers. 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 To our to sponsor. Murders. Crime yeah. Corner, episode one. Episode one. Sponsored by Hard AF Seltzer. Yes. It's all downhill from here. <laughs> okay, so in 1988, Hennis was granted an appeal based on those graphic... Uh, I mean, they had a bunch of different things that they could say, but basically they got the appeal because they're saying the prosecution went way too far and swayed the jury with the huge pictures of dead kids and pointing to him. So they granted him a new trial. Mm -hmm. um, so there was also, so in the new trial, 
they were able to, they used the discrepancies such as the fingerprints and hair. So there was hair at the scene, fingerprints, and one pubic hair that they found. None of those matched Hennis. So like that, that's usually what you would use, right? Mm-hmm. So you're redhead? Oh, he's a blonde. He's a blonde. So you might have a red bush. But the pubic hair was red. Yeah. But I think they, were they able to test the hair then? I don't know. I, None I of them. I don't think they were able to do any sort of They made him pull stick out testing. in court and they just held and that just pubic hair next it. to his. Yeah. <laughs> nope. Different color. Yeah. There was also uh, <laughs> footprints outside uh, that were two sizes smaller than Hennis. So all these things that they didn't say in the first trial. Um, oh, that nothing fit. really matched. You know, nothing really matched. There was no, uh, there was also, well, I'm going to go into the letter later because that was weird. But, um. Oh, from Mr. X? Mr. X, which is just like, I don't know. Let's hear it for our next advertiser, Prize Picks. Prize Picks is America's number one fantasy sports app with over 3 million members. They are the easiest and most exciting way to play DFS. Uh, it's just you against the numbers. You pick more than or less than uh, two to six player stat projections and watch the winnings roll in. Uh, the big game is always right around the corner. Prize picks is the easiest and most exciting way to turn every game changing moment into a hundred times your money potentially with as little as four correct picks. You can turn $10 into a thousand dollars it's demon time on prize picks uh so you're going at it here demons and goblins are the newest and most exciting way to play at prize picks uh squares marked with red demons or green goblins get you different payouts uh and again now you can win up to a hundred times your money with as little as four correct picks if you want to play alongside uh, alongside some of the Prize Picks' favorite players like uh, Meek Mill, Andrew Schultz, you can find them in the community plays underneath the promos tab of the app uh, to view the entries from some of the biggest names in Prize Picks community each and every week. This week on Prize Picks, I'm selecting Steph Curry for more than 29 points and the Joker. For more than 10 rebounds. I think Bob's taking Anthony Davis uh, for more than two blocks. And Damian Lillard for four three-pointers made. Go to prizepicks.com slash Ross Patterson and use the code Ross Patterson for a first deposit match for up to $100. Again, go to prizepicks.com slash Ross Patterson and use code Ross Patterson for a first deposit match of up to $100. Pick more, pick less. It's that easy. Yeah! Let's give it up for Liquid IV. Yeah! .com, baby! Promo code Nooners over there is going to get you 20% off your first order. Rage this weekend. Jobless on accident. I feel like it was an accidental rage this weekend. Yeah. And uh, I needed some liquid IV to start off today. I start every day with a liquid IV. Um, our kids are using liquid IV. Yes. Um, they've got the new and improved sugar-free liquid IVs as well. And Pear is back. Pear is back. That's my favorite. Pear was my favorite there. Um, big fan. But uh, hanging out, watching sports, hanging out with the friends and all that other stuff. You start boozing, lose track of time, and then you're like, oh, shit. I need to rehydrate for the week. Got to pop in that liquid IV. 
Are you a daily girl? Because I don't see you every single morning all the time. Yeah, I'm a daily girl. So I do um, one of the sugar-free grapes Mm. or the sugar-free apple, which are my new faves, in 24 ounces. Okay. So it is supposed to be just in, they say, like, put a packet in 16, 8, 16 ounces. 16 ounces of water. that's going to hydrate you double. Um, I put in the 24 ounce, maybe onesie or twosie. Yeah. And go through the day. Yeah, yeah, it's life changing. I, I call it Hydration Monday here on the show because it's, uh, it's one of those things where, again, you go hard over the weekends, you got the kids, you're not eating great, uh, you're boozing with some friends or whatever, and then boom, reset on Mondays, pop in the liquid IV, and you're good to go. Um, but it's, uh, it's a little pouch. That's it. You're ripping open, popping into liquid, 16 ounces or more. And you're good to go. Super easy there. Three times the electrolytes, uh, no artificial sweeteners, eight vitamins and nutrients, non-GMO and free from gluten, dairy, and soy. Weekends are for going wild. Have a game plan for Monday with Liquid IV. Grab your Liquid IV hydration multiplier sugar-free in bulk nationwide at Costco or get 20% off your first order when you go to liquidiv.com and use the code Nooners at checkout. That's 20% off your first order when you shop Superior Hydration today using promo code Nooners at liquidiv.com. I don't know who wrote that, but it wasn't. Uh, I it wasn't personally real. think that it was just bullshit. It was just somebody. It might have been the it, lawyers, to be honest with you. Like well, somebody uh, trying to help him out. Either or, that or even just like the. Weirdos. The equivalent of an internet troll. Exactly. Back mm. in the day, which means you need to mail letters to multiple people. And it's the same as which, like, I mean, trolling That, is, that is some fucking dedication. Though. Seriously. <laughs> and you don't get to like see the look on their faces or like get a response or anything. You just literally are sending it out and being like. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fucking got him. <laughs> yeah. I don't even know if it's going to get there, but in my mind, I got him. Fuck that I'll, family. Wait, so what is, it, what is the Mr. X thing? Oh, I'll go in one second. So I'm going to okay. go through all the things that they used in the appeal to okay. actually defend him this time, which it doesn't seem in the last trial they really were using these things to defend him, basically. They didn't say in the first trial that the, nothing matched. Like, you need actual evidence to send someone to death, right? Like, you have to be real fucking sure. And none of the actual physical evidence uh, matched. Um, Also, the dry cleaners did not use any special chemicals um, on the jacket, and there was no trace of blood. So if there was blood on the jacket, even if you dry cleaned it, you would be able to see some kind of trace. And, and there wasn't. luminol would still make that show up, wouldn't yeah. it? Because luminol can pick up yeah. traces of blood. Yeah. In a but they're saying there is like a special chemical that you can ask them to use, which like. <laughs> Who's going to go in and be yeah. like, hey, that, that stuff you uh, got that, that really gets rid of the blood. You know, do you have any chemicals for like, I don't know, oil or uh, blood, or... <laughs> blood Yeah, yeah. Like. No. So they, he just got it dry clean normally, and there still would be blood. And then when they tested the jacket, there was no blood. So there's nothing that could have gotten it out. Was he wearing it during the... Whatever. Basically, you're just discrediting everything they used in the first trial. Mm. Um, he goes and gets his jacket dry cleaned, suddenly has $300 to mm-hmm. to pay his landlord. Yeah. And the he, max... Oh, the max that he, he went could out and get pulled out. some tricks. Yeah. He was cleaning semen off of his jacket. Yeah. Oh, which shows up. You're saying he's a hooker. 
uh, for at least one night. Mm. You do what you got to do to pay your bills. Oh, what I didn't say is uh, when whoever used Katie's uh, ATM card took out the maximum amount, and the maximum amount you could take out was three hundred dollars, and then he was magically able to pay. So, like, look, is he super unlucky? I don't know. Did he do it? I don't the know. ATM didn't have camera back then. I think what really no. happened is he sucked off the killer. He sucked off the real killer, and then I had to clean the semen off the jacket. Oh. Mm. Anyways, I like, um, your, I like, I like your sexual <laughs> like, perspective. Cause... Yeah, yeah, for everything. <laughs> <laughs> this is this is my fan fiction that I'm. This working is on. my <laughs> sex show. Six six semen. Mm. Yeah, you know what I think. He was sucking dudes off. <laughs> um, all right, Coop. Anyway. <laughs> in my mind. In uh, your mind, in your mind. Um, at the trial, they also discredited Cone, the one eyewitness testimony, uh, using his run-ins with the law and alcohol issues, basically just saying he wasn't a credible witness. He also said that that night was like clear, nice evening, they went back in the records and saw that it was actually very overcast and would be hard to see. Yeah, they got like an actual meteorologist yeah. to testify about that. Yeah, I mean they're trying to they're trying to get this guy out. Didn't they make some sort of point about the amount of time that the witness that testified seeing him at the ATM? Didn't mm. they actually make mm-hmm. the jury sit there and wait for that same amount of time? Yes. So. Um, the woman that identified Hennis at the ATM said at first, like I said, she didn't remember anything. Then they finally got her to say that they that she saw a blonde, a tall blonde haired guy, but she didn't use the ATM until three and a half minutes after Katie's card was used. And when you hear that, you go, oh, it's not that long. But in the trial, they made everybody sit in silence for three and a half minutes. And when you do that, you're kind of like, Oh, oh shit, this is the kind of long time, right? Yeah. Like, it's not like... He could have been long gone before she even pulled up. Exactly. Yeah. So that was that was a good one. And then, uh, like you said, there was an anonymous letter, basically just a troll, I think, but an anonymous letter sent to both Hennis and the sheriff's department um, that said, Dear Mr. Hennis, it's very on the nose, too. Dear Mr. Hennis, I did the crime. I murdered the Eastburns. Sorry you're doing the cr- the time. I'll be safely out of North Carolina by the time you read this. Thanks, Mr. X. Like, That you seems know, so fucking... That's a troll. Yeah. That's not... That's not a well, also, triple why murder. It's in Butters' handwriting or whatever his name is. Yeah. Butters' Watts. Yeah, yeah. It's Biddles. Biddles. Yeah, he's like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or it's the, Biddles the lawyer. Biddles is crossed out. Yeah, yeah. Mr. X. <laughs> Yeah, whoops, Sincerely, says whoops. Detective yeah. bit, oh, cross <laughs> yeah, yeah. that out. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's something X. like that. They did say, like, they never found out who wrote that letter, and they did say it was either just someone that was, you know, following the crime or whatever and was fucking weird, it, it's, or... It, it like, seems way too convenient that it was sent both to Hennis and yes. the police. Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, it could have been anyone, I mean... I would probably, if I could, I would probably be like, call my wife and be like, look, send a fucking weird ass letter. You're going to try anything. So I, I don't know. But they never found out who wrote the letter, which is also weird. Um, so finally, their big moment at the end of the trial, 
was their witness, John Rapineau. So he was a teenager in the neighborhood by the Eastburn's house, and he had trouble sleeping, so he would run in the neighborhood early morning or at night or whatever, and he usually wore a what? Members-only jacket. Members-only jacket and a knit cap. Mm -hmm. So they were saying that Cone could have actually saw him. He might have been fucking drunk. We know Cone. Cone likes to party, dude. <laughs> so, and he gets in trouble for it. So, you know, Cone could have been walking in a, in a stupor. Hammered smoking sticks. Hammered smoking real sticks at 3 a.m. And was in like, yeah, and was like, oh, I saw some guy in a knit cap, whatever. So basically that's what tur- they turned his testimony into. And in the trial, they did this big reveal moment, which I didn't know you could actually do. Like, you have to, like, let people know when you're doing this. But they had this guy, John Rapineau, walk in through the back doors of the courtroom for to be, like, a witness. And he's, like, looks exactly like Tim Hennis. And everyone's, like, oh, fuck. Oh. And that was, like, their big moment, And the right? defense is like, oh, my God, there's yeah. the killer. <gasps> Just yeah. kidding. And every, So it's kind of, it was a moment where everyone, including, you know, prosecution, was like, oh, shit. Like, that's it. So after two days of de- deliberation, they found Hennis not guilty on Whoa. all counts. Whoa. Whoa. You think it's over, bro? Uh-uh. Know you want to go home. Okay. No, I'd like this. I know you want to go home, brother. I know you want me to say, well, and they lived happily ever after. <laughs> he got off. He was an innocent man. Not going to happen, okay? Buckle up. Get a drink. Drinking. <laughs> <laughs> tired of your bullshit, dude. Um, okay, so after his acquittal, Hennis re-enlisted in the army. Wait, and this acquittal, uh, what year was that? 88. 89. So he got out. 89. So we got out in 89, convicted in 85, 86, served. They were trying to work on an appeal for three years, essentially, and he got out in uh, 88, late 88. Holy shit. Yeah. And so after his acquittal, Hennis reenlisted in the Army and was promoted to staff sergeant. He served in Iraq during Desert, Desert Storm. And again, in Somalia, he received many awards and accolades and was, like, exemplary in everything he did, basically, from that point. Did um, he keep his family? Kept his family, mm-hmm. had another kid, was leader of his son's Boy Scout troop. Everyone, Great, great guy. Everyone was like, there was no incidents or anything after. He was, like, you know, top of, of the line everywhere. And he retired. he ultimately retired from the Army in 2004, with a rank of master sergeant. So he was like fucking awesome. He crushed it. He crushed it. You were like, okay. okay, like this innocent guy was in, you know, on death row for three years. And, you know, we got the wrong guy. Got the wrong guy. He's a great guy. Six, six, a little bit of a dick, <laughs> but he turned it around. <laughs> right? Um, Gary uh, Eastburn. After losing his wife and two daughters, he relocated to London with his uh, surviving daughter and married an English nurse. And after he retired, he settled in Washington. So everyone seems to be doing good and living life. Everything's great. Everything's great. So then in 2005, Captain Larry Trotter. The coincidence of where he decided to move is fucking mind-blowing. Right? 
they don't even really go into that that much, but they both settled in Washington. Weird, right? Roughly like 30 minutes from each other. Mm -hmm. And by the way, I I think it's important to note that Gary Eastburn, even after when Hennis was acquitted, he was like, I still, I think he did it. Like, I just don't, you know, I know we need to be looking for someone else, but I just feel like he did this. So he's, you know, trying to get over that for, what, 20 years? Anyway, 2005, Captain Larry Trotter, he's not a, he's not a, a, you know, a character in the story yet, so don't, don't act like you needed to remember not okay. that you would have anyways. Don't Jesus. get too attached what to, happened to our Jesus, you drunk little dick. Um, so they, <laughs> they um, you know, case closed, right? Case closed. Case closed. So we they're off them. the case. They're moving on. I mean, it's still a cold case because they haven't found the killer, right? So it's sort of open, but they're not. They're not on it anymore. Nah. No. They're not. Yes. Well, the story well, of Diddles and Watts is over. Biddles and Watts went off to be the inspiration for Miami Vice. Yeah. Oh, okay. They moved to Florida. Biddles. <laughs> Biddles and Watts. That's a good one, right? I, I just came up with that. Biddles and Watts should be the title of this episode. I think it has to be. I think to. Biddles and Watts <laughs> is a good title. <laughs> I think it has to be. So in 2005, Larry Trotter was at a seminar for advanced forensic techniques. At the seminar, he brought up the Eastburn murders as like a case study for um things that he was trying to explain and so while he was talking to a journalist trotter found out that there was semen taken at the scene and it was preserved at the cumberland county forensic lab so he thought huh trotter was like hey can i I see that can i get some of that (laughs) fucking (laughs) juice Say stuff, guys, that I can't even say. Like, even pussy, I can't even say pussy, but like, I'll do it sometimes for an effect, and then I immediately feel shame. That was my favorite part of the episode <laughs> I so far. Immediately feel bad about it. <laughs> Can I get some juice? <laughs> Let me get some of that juice. Give me some of that juice. So, anyways, that's basically what Trotter said. Mm. <laughs> Oh, anyways, he thought, he thought, oh, he can use DNA testing to find the killer. Mm. So in 2006, a forensic blood test found that over 100% match. They found an, a, a match it's that was... the same jizz. <laughs> what? His jizz and the jizz at the crime scene, the same jizz? No, it was a blood test that she was Whoa. talking about. In the jizz. Whoa. <laughs> what are you fucking talking about, dude? All right, now uh, now maybe there's other dum-dums in the audience that maybe think like you, so I'm going to start over, brother. We're going right from the beginning. Okay, okay. so the Eastburn murders. No. <laughs> um, so, listen. So The year is 1985. Yeah, so it's 2005. Larry Trotter is at this seminar. They're talking about the Eastburn murders. Yeah. He finds out that they actually they preserved... Kids. You interrupt me one more time, you motherfucker. No. Um, they f- he finds out that they actually took semen at the scene, which I actually find is interesting back in the day. Like, even in, like, 60s and, you know, uh, murders even before that, they were preserving, like, semen and blood before there was even an inkling that they would be able to test Yeah, before it. they had the ability to use that the to match it The forethought of that else. is crazy, That's right? Real. That they thought someday in the future, <laughs> maybe somebody would be able to test this. 
So he finds out that they preserved the semen from the crime. Okay. From the crime scene. Okay. Of the Eastburn murders. The one we've been talking about this whole time. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm following. Okay, okay. So he was like, okay, so now they can test stuff like that. Why don't we just test this semen? We'll be able to find who, who it was. definitely murdered this family, right? So they found a 100%, over 100% match. I don't know how they do over 100, but it was like 100.2, whatever. I don't yeah, know how that's possible. <laughs> that's a little fucking I'm weird. Not, I don't do math. I only do murder. So, <laughs> and guess who, who did it match? It's our guy. Tim Hennis. Tim Hennis. 25 years out, dude. And it's his now, come. Yeah. So now. 102% sure. That's, that's what. 102% percent sure that it's Tim Hennis. I don't know if you saw that if you watched Trotter the was death like, row. I, I've tasted this before. Yeah. This is Tim Hennis. That's what I was going to ask. What? How did yeah, they do how it? They, they tasted it, it. Yep. from the. From the 80s, Give and then they were like, come back here. <laughs> yeah. Tasted it now. Like, yeah. It's the same. Oh, my gosh. I remember. It like all it's comes back jizz. to them. Yep. So that's how they tested. And they found out. Comes back. That it was Tim Hennis. And in the, if you watch the Death Row story, so there's a good, uh, sh- uh, you know, overview of this. They did it really well on Death Row stories. Um, and <laughs> they, you know, they have the Biddles and Watts and the detectives all talk like this, right? And they're like, I told Gary Eastburn, you sitting down? You know what I mean? Oh, when he, when he when made he the told, phone call. he had to tell Gary, after- guess who it matched? You know what I mean? <laughs> You're like, fucking A. And right away, he's like, oh, Tim Hennis. Tim Hennis, right? Duh. I mean, why else would you be telling me to sit down and that you have the, you may, you have the killer? So, Tim Hennis. So, now... Now what, right? Because if we know anything from the Fifth Amendment, but mostly that uh, Ashley Judd vehicle that we all love so much called <laughs> Double, Double Jeopardy. Jeopardy. Great film. Great film. Tommy Lee Jones. Tommy Lee Jones looking hot. 100% legally accurate. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. There's no way that they would find any loopholes to try her again. No, no. So anyways, the point is he was already acquitted, so they can't try you twice. For the same crime, right? The spirit of the law is that they don't want to try someone 20 times for the same thing. But in this kind of instance, it's like, can we, though, do it one more time? You can generally find a loophole. Yeah. So this is where the military does them dirty, dude, which I don't like. And look, I want them to find the guy. I want them to do that. But I don't like how they did it, right? So the military, uh, the the detectives on the new detectives on the scene, uh, reach out to the military and ask uh, ask them to call Hennis back to active duty. Just without saying anything, just be like, "Hey, I know you're retired. We have something for you, so that he can be active duty again, and they can try him in military court." Instead of putting them on another normal trial. They're able to legally court martial right. him because otherwise, the UCMJ as opposed to, you know, facing the issues with the whole double double jeopardy thing. Yeah. So, so otherwise, I think he would have if he was a civilian. I think he would have gotten away with it, right? I don't think there's any other way. The only other can way you do that f- they state and federal maybe if he's tried. Uh, well, state you can do you want to get away with it though? Like if you can him. do no, but well, no, he's the hero of our story, Joel. Yeah. Follow the story. <laughs> Yeah, the Constitution is the hero. <laughs> no. <laughs> like, yeah, no, I, if I, I was Dan Holloway right now, I'd be like, nope, 
you can only, uh, I think you can only be tried for the same crime uh, as a civilian in like a, a federal trial, and then you can be taken to like a civil court. Civil court, but a civil court isn't gonna. You put can't you go in to jail, jail for that. You're, you're just gonna, you're gonna have gonna to be pay like money. a monetary fine. Yeah, that they don't even enforce that hard, from my I experience. Know. I know. Again, with poor OJ, that's what they did with him. <laughs> that poor guy. He poor, just poor, wants, poor man. Oh, and they had to just get him in civil. I don't know if they could have. Like I said, I don't know if they could have done federal and state. I'm sure. Again, if they have 100 percent match. Sure, they'd find some other loophole, or maybe not. Yeah, possibly, but I think the defense would be able to use that Mm -hmm. also to, I mean, just keep kicking the can down the road for long enough that he would be dead from old age before he actually ever went to trial. Right. So, um, So when he came back and arrived for active duty, he was there for a month, and they ended up court-martialing and arresting him on three counts of murder. The rape case uh, was statute of limitations, so they just got him on three. Yeah. That's like like the worst Rambo fucking reboot ever, where it's like, look. I know. We got this one last mission that we need you to do. We know that you're retired. You're taking care of your family. We just need you to come back this one time. You've been exemplary. You've been an awesome guy. We've given you. Your needs you. Yeah. We've given you a bunch of awards. You've always been our guy. Come on back, One last mission. We got you. Okay, we now why don't you take a seat do over you there? Dirty. Yeah. <laughs> now we want you to Put talk to someone on. over here. Yeah. <laughs> it's not us. Not us. But, yeah. So, uh, statute of limitations was up on the rape case. But Hennis immediately appealed, obviously, because he's just like, what the fuck, bro? And said that the case was not in the military's jurisdiction because it was off base, which, like, technically he was and he was retired and all these things yeah but at the time that the crime was committed he was still enlisted so that would still Mm. yeah so i guess that's what i ucmj that's what i wanted to ask you so like to be in their jurisdiction does it have to be on base no it just has to be enlisted if at the time the crime was enlisted uh, once you're enlisted you are technically the property of the u.s government and you'd fall under the ucmj so if wherever the, you are and wherever the crime is, okay. yeah, wherever you are, whatever crime is committed, anything they like can that, sh- try you in military. Court. Yeah, you can okay. you can still be court martialed for it. The sneaky part was was tricking him into yeah. going back to active duty. Not cool. Uh, not cool. If you want to get him, he is the culprit. Unless he's the killer. And if he is the killer, then that was uh, if the cum matches uh, the drapes. Right. Is that how that goes? (laughs) That's what my grandpa used to always say. Always. Come over here, Coop. Sit on my lap. Let me tell you something. Now, if the cum matches the drapes. (laughs) And then he just pushed you off onto the ground. Every day. Yeah. He said the N word a bunch of times. My grandpa was a great fella. Oh, love him. Old school. You know what I mean? Vintage. Yeah. Yeah. Classic old school racist. I love vintage racist. Salt of the earth. Greatest generation. Because it wasn't racist back then. Anyway. Um, back in the good old days. Yeah. <laughs> Miss those. <laughs> no, you don't. I know. Um, so all his appeals. <laughs> just kidding. Only against Asians. <laughs> now you sound like my mom. Right? But they, come on. 
Oh no, you you could have a I'm long joking. conversation with my mom. Oh. oh, I would love it. Oh, if you're joking, then it... I mean, I am joking unless she wants to talk. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Behind closed doors, not on a microphone. Calm down. It's where we do our racism. Right? Um. Anyways, uh, all the appeals were denied, and with the DNA, DNA evidence, it was basically a shot case. No matter what he said, they tried to say that. Uh, he had consensual sex with her, but it was like a little bit too late. Why didn't you say it in the first, you know? Yeah, I, I would think know. that that would have helped the defense a little bit if you said like, oh, yeah, I had sex with her. That's why you found a, a whole bunch of my semen all over the drapes. Yeah, but I left, and then the killer came in right behind me or whatever. She was a whore. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's kind of again victim blaming. It's what they call the whore defense. Yeah. There was yeah. all kinds of scenes. That's there. what they call blame the dead mother for the crime, basically. Um, so they tried a lot of uh, defenses, but none of them worked. And the jury took three hours to find him guilty on all counts. He was sentenced three to death. Three hours. That's not a long time. So they well, basically the were like, wasn't, oh. he, wasn't he sentenced after like, it, it was, was like 10, 10 hours. hours. Yeah, yeah. 10 hours of deliberation the they, first time, three hours the second time. Yeah. They really think this guy did it. Um, so he was uh, sentenced to death and remains on death row in Kansas to this day. So Tim Hennis oh, is shit. the only person that has been tried for his life three times, which is fucking crazy. Now, what are you saying Insane. that happened recently? Did some... It concludes uh, recently. Oh no, because uh, when he was still finally, appealing? yeah, uh, when he was finally convicted, that was like 2019, wasn't uh, it? Yes, yeah, so 2006, I think in 2010, he was finally convicted, right? So, but he keeps trying to co- appeal. Oh, okay, I think the most recent appeal was in yeah. 2019. Oh, he he keeps trying to appeal, and it just keeps getting denied. Okay, what if the cum was planted. Now, there was, and I, again, I didn't hear it. This case is very complicated, and there's a bunch of different articles and iterations through the years. So, like, some things will be somewhere but not others. But there was uh, something in there that the lab that tested his semen earlier, I guess years earlier, had been in a scandal about switching. Oh, because one of the... Yeah. Uh, it was one of the technicians... One of the technicians uh, had, was like... Uh, they figured out that she lied in court. Yeah, she was basically, if a detective went to her and was like, hey, I need this to match, she would do it. Yeah. And so the problem with that happening at a lab is that every other DNA case in that lab is then taken into question. So then all those people that are in jail now file appeals because they're like, well, mine was fucked up up. too. Yeah. Yeah. And so... (laughs) She was just tired at work and she had like the... She was marking each one with the stamp, like at the grocery store. Yeah, like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Basically, it was off by one, so every <laughs> single one was one off. Yeah, and so basically, the, I mean that that discredits that lab, but find it hard to believe, right? That they would. I don't know. It was years earlier. They found it out. Usually, that person gets taken care of. But again, the lab forever will have kind of that tarnish yeah. you know yeah. that that ding on their record so yeah. that's what they kind of tried to say but at the same time it didn't go it didn't work a lot of the other stuff in the case fits way too accurately the the things that confuse me about it overall is 
he commits this one insanely brutal murder. Thank you. Where if you if you know all of the the details of how the bodies were found, which Joel is it, going to on the way home. Oh yeah, you're you're gonna hear all about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it really seems like a either a crime of passion or somebody who has done this before. Or that will do it again. Or, yes, exactly, that will do it again. Because to to do something that brutally, that takes a, a different type of person. It's not like, it's not something you just kind of dabble in on the weekends every now exactly. and then. Exactly. And it's, that's my, we're in, we're in discussion time now. So that's my issue with it. Because everything that we've ever learned or know about true crime, serial killers... <clears throat> crimes of passion, overkill, all of this is that there has never been, I guess besides this guy, somebody that out of nowhere, not having any connection to a family whatsoever, walks in and just murders in this way. Especially yeah. with a wife murders that Murders a looks, mother and two children. While he is a, an awesome, <laughs> apparently a good husband and great father to his wife and child that's the same, close to the same age Attractive, at home. Attractive, handsome guy. So... Because a lot of, don't, don't a lot of serial killers, are they're, they're like ugly, right? Deprived. There's a couple good ones. Oh, no, ones. I mean, Ted Bundy was... Ted Bundy famously... famously charismatic and attractive like that was one of the things that helped, helped him, him kill commit mm-hmm. murders as people naturally trusted him yeah too skinny for me but uh <laughs> ladies ladies liked him i guess but he was also uh you know it was a different time yeah you know they didn't find out where the good stuff is that was, that was back when women were still attracted to men that drove volkswagen beetles exactly and didn't like think Meh, maybe i should and he had no other record like bad anything he, else on his record before that he bounced some checks Wow. So yeah, nothing. clean that's... record. Clean record, and then getting out and being like an exemplary person without any. Normally, something else would have happened, right? He would try something again, or something would come up. He would get pulled over, whatever. It's like the Stephen Avery thing. Yeah, like he gets out, found innocent, and then she does it again. Fucking kill some chick. You know what I mean? Yeah, because you feel invincible. So. He didn't do anything else before, anything else after. I I just find it really hard to believe, but at the same time, the coincidence and you know, all the evidence circumstantial Money. is still looking bad, right? Yeah. But yeah, so what what is the other option? What else could it have been? Like if he was there, if he did meet her, was he banging her? You know, has he admitted something like that where he was like, look, I didn't kill her, but we were secretly hooking up? The option is maybe the lab was corrupt, right? Well, either the lab was corrupt or the defense that he used where it's like, look, we we did have sex, but it was consensual. And then some other random person shows up afterwards and no. brutally murders the family. No. That's also a little weird. I mean, or, I, there now, could listen. be someone casing the place and they're yes, like there's they also got this there was the an ad yes there was an ad out in the paper so was it just like he was one of the people that came and he wasn't the weirdo murderer but the next person that came was somebody else showed up looking for the dog and was kind like oh hey watching I, I noticed yeah. that you're by yourself and i'm a sick fuck i don't know but like again the 
the crazy. And then also there would have been other crimes like that somewhere else in the neighborhood. I know. Some but other considering time. Considering the brutality of the crime, that's the part that throws me off the most is the brutality of the crime. It just goes against everything that we know. Have you and how them? does that person live in society afterwards as a normal person? Like everything I know about it would be like, he would be a fucking weirdo. Yeah. And have you watched like interviews with him talking? He seems normal. I actually haven't. Uh, I don't know there's, if they have. There's like very brief little yeah. clips that I was able to find, but aside, like they haven't done any what was Ed, your take Ed on Kemper it? style Just... interviews. He seems like a normal dude, clean cut, straightforward guy. The one of the things that was used against him is the fact that he was egotistical mm-hmm. in, in his like initial Iceman interactions with the with the police. No, because he only did it one time. <laughs> Iceman. Like- oh, dude. And if yeah, if you listen to interviews with Richard Kuklinski, even if he wasn't talking about killing people, you'd be like, "This motherfucker's killed people." Mm. Uh, you can just yeah. tell by his demeanor. Um, Crazy. But so one of the thing, things that was against. used against him is he was egotistical uh, when he when he went to be inter- interviewed by the police for the first time. As soon as he left and the press was around, then he was covering his face, and he, it, to me, it seemed more like. Oh shit! This is serious. I don't want this, uh, yeah, attached to me because in the court of public opinion, regardless of whether or not you're guilty of the crime, if all of these people see the press yes. taking pictures of you, they see your yeah. your face showing and up he, in the newspapers. They they're going to hate uh, you. Yeah, they're you're going to have that stuck to you for a long time, regardless of whether or not you're you're guilty. Yeah. And he was very aware of that, even in the. Uh, the trial, he was asking his lawyer, like, what what do I do? Like, if I'm super emotional, they won't, you know, they'll think that I'm, you know, faking. If I have no emotion, they'll think I did it. Like, asking, like, what do I do outwardly? So there's stuff like that that kind of go, you can go either way as far yeah. as whether he was guilty or not. But again, like, didn't seem like no one else said that he was like a sociopath or had any other weird things that happened or like, you know, pretty much if you talk, if you talk to anyone about like, let's say a husband that murdered his wife, it's like the neighbors, the friends, everyone will come out and have stories of times that were like weird or that they saw. Mm. And he was like, you know, was acting and, weird at the funeral or something where people will come out and be like, yeah, dude, like it was just, you know. Yeah. And Hennis's family, they've, they've got nothing bad to say about him. Yeah. For over two decades at this point, they've got nothing bad to say about him. Anyone that met him, anyone he worked with, anyone was just like, he, his whole he was military awesome. career, which they can be very stringent about those things. Yeah. Like, and they'll keep records of every time that you fuck up or do something weird yeah. or whatever. And so, you know, if we go around the horn and say <clears throat> what we think, to me, it just doesn't, I don't really like how they got him, finally. And it just doesn't seem like there's enough forensic, real forensic evidence, like blood or, I mean, the fingerprints aren't matching, the hair isn't matching, everything else at the scene is not. But somehow, magically... The pubic hair doesn't match. No. Well, he's got gray pubic hair now, so... Yeah, so maybe... Which does complicate things a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think they have a, <laughs> a whole other forensic 
section is called old balls, but (laughs) (laughs) they go through and they, they paint the pubic hair with just for men and then retest it. Yeah. It's a whole other section of the lab. The semen sample matching is the, I mean, that's the, it's the only real primary piece of evidence that, that got him convicted. Right. That being said, if there was no semen, what would you say? Give me that juice. No. But like if you <laughs> if there was no I would be like, hurry up and finish. If that didn't happen, what would you what would you think about the other evidence? Like it's pretty it's also pretty. If that damaged. didn't happen, Shoddy, a, right? a lot of it seems very circumstantial. Circumstantial, you know, eyewitness of like weirdos. Um there is a cup like taking the members only jacket in after. Again, I always say like either you're the most unlucky person in the world. And you did this weird thing the day after the murder, you know, or you did it. That is, that's also really weird. Burning stuff. But, Burning it, stuff. But I, I fall back. Well, I mean, what was he, what was he burning in that maybe, situation? Maybe clothes. Maybe he wasn't wearing the jacket during the crime. I, I don't why know. Why would he, also like, why, why would, would he you? wash the members only jacket instead of, Burn he that too it. to just yeah. get. He loved. It. Yeah, it was loved a members only it, jacket. Man. He was a member, and, and it was the eighties. <laughs> you can't get those twice. But the the fact that the like the core piece of evidence for his conviction was a cum shot, the semen sample. Yeah, I'm I'm a tall white guy with a mustache. Sure. Better be I, careful. I, I can tell you for a fact that you will find my semen in a lot of surprising places, and I hope right. to God that doesn't get get me convicted in a crime at right? some point. You better watch it. I got to be real careful. I got to document like where I'm yeah. going, at what time, who yes. I'm with. What if he What if he jerked off in his car before he went in to get the dog, and it why was on his be, hand? Why would it be in her vagina? Yeah. So they swapped it. <laughs> did, from... did he shake her hand in a, a very awkward way? And then she way? just stuck her right in front of him, just stuck her hand in there. Know. Possibly. Is that where it was? It was in her vagina. Yeah, so that's, they took that's like where a it was rape found. kit essentially and got. Oh. Semen from so her. honestly, him being a him being an a, an attractive man going to meet a a lonely, a lonely wife lady. whose husband is verifiably out of town a lot where they, they even had like a, a planned time of day where they would call each other on a regular yeah. basis to keep their relationship going. Her having a little something on the side wouldn't be that surprising in most situations. And but that was the only time he went there. He never was like, well, he can't cause he's got a, he's, he's got his own no, wife those, and family. He's not going to admit that he was banging her for like, Two years. Yeah. Well, also that that was like their their only documented interaction. They, it, as far as I know, they yeah. had never had any no, sort of interaction was not before at all. Hmm. It was literally just he went there, got the dog, and then came back, killed her. So yeah. So they're saying <laughs> is you know she called and she called according to him she called on Thursday, which was the day of the murder. So she called to make sure the dog was doing okay. Is that when he was like, what up? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? What She's calling. She must be interested. Yeah. I don't know. Hmm. I don't know. But, again, yeah, if we're going around the horn, you say, did it? Too many things against him? I think that considering the considering the evidence, uh, I'll, I'll go with the jury's decision. 
I'll say that that he did it. I don't I don't know if that's factually true because I wasn't there for it, but I'll I'll go with the judicial Better system. Better safe than sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Company man. I think he did it too. I think it's like a it's the same as cheating. There's cheaters and then there's someone who cheats. He fucked up. Yeah. He did it one time. Probably was like, fuck, I'm never doing that again. So he kept a straight arrow and he was like, I'm never doing that again. So he's not a it's cheater. He just cheated he... one time. I'm never murdering a woman and her two children again. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. It's a one-time thing. Yeah, let's get into that. So usually when people murder for the first time, we've heard from serial killers that try their first time. Uh, for example, BTK, that was like the first time you don't really know what you're doing and you like you just like... You know, you're not you're not good at it. It's harder than you think, right? You have to apply more pressure. It's harder to cut something. People are fighting back. So maybe the most was saying the same thing. Yeah, it's like they want to do it, but you know, it's like prolapsing probably. But anyway, (laughs) first (laughs) time, first time hard to do. Last time just happens naturally. Boom. So, uh, so maybe that is like the crazy overkill of it. Because it's like the precision serial killers can just like bound, slit, we out, right? Yeah. He freaked out. He like, they weren't dying and it like wasn't working and he had to like stab them multiple times, slitting throats, like possibly. Otherwise, like if he was skilled, it would be like you would know exactly where to stab how the pressure and it wouldn't be such an insanely gruesome scene, right? Yeah. That also explains the partial cleanup, too. Right, because you're like... It's like, oh, fuck. He's like, oh, I'm going to clean everything well, yeah. up. Then he's like, wait, shit. Do I clean up? Maybe they oh. did have a thing, and then he was like, I'm going to ruin my life. I cheated on my wife. This is awful. Again. So maybe they hooked up first, and then afterwards he was like, I got to kill them all. Some, I think, again, whoever it was that did it, it was something like that. Someone was screaming, a child woke up, they freaked out, and just like... You know, yeah, went crazy. Probably go into rape or like have sex with, ended up having to rape. And then the kids like wake up, they're walking in, they're pointing, whatever. And you just like freak out and Lose murder it. them. Lose it. But again, I don't, it would be the first time in everything that I've, you know, okay, well read then... in every case that someone. The girl did under the Star like Wars this. blanket. She was in bed and she was hiding underneath the covers. Right. Her sister was next to her, so they're they are thinking that one of them was trying to quiet the other. So I I guess that if Hennis was guilty, then maybe they had seen him go in and he wanted to make sure that, that they couldn't talk. Uh how do you quench how do you quench that appetite if that's what you do if that's what you need to do is kill people in that way you can't just do it one time it's yeah, a compulsion yeah. it's something that you can't stop there's serial killers or murderers that stop for what like 10 years they can kind of deal with it for but they always will be like i fucking got to do it again yeah unless it was absolutely horrible for him right maybe he thought it would be cooler than it was yeah, and then he's like, "This was not cool." Oh, man, that sucks. Like, that was really b- things got out of hand. Huh? 
It's like trying mushrooms for the first time. Never trying that again. One time, plenty for me. Plenty. So keep get your shit together. Keep on the straight and, and narrow. Yeah. All right. All right. Well. Wait, maybe he killed a bunch more. And he just and got, just that was the first caught? one. And he got really fucking good at it after that. Because he is the best. Possibly. Yeah. What if it comes out later? That'd be cool. Here's another thing I will say. Yo, if he didn't do it. <laughs> if he didn't do it. Fuck. He got royally fucked. His life fucked. is fucked. Yeah, Even if he gets true. exonerated a second time. Oh, still. Just like his life got completely yeah. fucked up. Yeah, that does suck if he didn't do it. If he didn't Poor do it. Poor bastard. I know. Kind of like OJ. Yeah. But OJ's out. Poor. We, we finally made it right with OJ. Thank God. Thank God, that <laughs> poor guy. Now we can just play golf and... <laughs> Look for the killer. Look for the real killer. Um, they ever find him? The, the real killer? The real killer? No. <laughs> and it seems weird because we have all that forensic, for you know, testing stuff. now. It's like... Yeah, I mean, OJ even wrote a book about how it, it probably went. Yeah. They, but the, those damn Goldmans just I fucking know. took the books off the shelves and took all the money for themselves. Goldman's suing him again. Again? Because he's not getting any money. Wait, what? Gold, he's not getting the money, you know, because they took him to civil court. Yeah. And he's just, like, not paying. And he owes him a bunch of money. And so OJ's just not so paying the, him? The money from the book is still going to, to OJ? No, no, I'm saying, like, just oh. in general, when he went to civil, you know, civil court, and I think they awarded whatever, right? The money from the book was not enough. He still owes him a good amount of money that he's not paying. That, that upstanding citizen isn't paying off his debts. I know, and he sees them at these <laughs> nice golf courses, and he's like, huh, kind of seems like you shouldn't have money to do that because you should be giving it to me and my family. <laughs> so it's just going to, and that, again, poor Goldman, that real poor Goldman, like, has to keep fucking doing this shit. Jesus. And he's going to deal with it forever. I would love for him to be able to let it go, but he can't, mm. you know? Um, anyways, thank you guys. Yeah. This we was did fun. It. We yeah. did it. We have a Episode crime show. In the can. This is my first, you know how long I've wanted to do a crime show? It's my first but, crime yeah. show. Now look, it's a little bit like Hennis's first murder. <laughs> Clunky, but. <laughs> Clunky, we got questionable. Questionable, brutal. <laughs> Lots of semen. <laughs> but we got through it and I'm excited. Yeah. No, I would too. like I'm... to know what the next episode is, but we will, you know, we're going to figure it out. And... This is awesome. Well, we've, we've we wanted to do a show with a... you for, since we moved here. Oh, yeah. Right? We, we've yeah. wanted I'm you excited. to. Our favorite episodes a... on Iconoblast are the ones you're on. Me too. We've you're wanted, wanted you to be a full-time people. fixture on Iconoblast like, since we started doing the show. I know. Yeah. Maybe so now we'll... we got it. Now so we this, got it. this right here is actually just a bit of a ploy for us. To, what we're going to start doing is, is we're going to start stacking Crime Corner and Iconoblast back to back. And just be like, oh, hey, you know, we're doing Crime Corner anyway. You yeah, anyway, so yeah, welcome yeah, to the just, Iconoblast uh, podcast. Oh, we'll just, okay. We'll just, we'll yeah. go straight into Iconoblast. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, you know, the format might change a little bit. Coop is a little bit better at uh, talking and reading. Which I'm not. You did great. I, I appreciate Thanks. that, but I don't believe that one bit. No, you are. That voice? Fire, yeah, it's dude. good. The... We need to hear more of the voice. But anyways, we're going to figure it out. You guys are going to figure it out with us. And uh, 
thank you for joining us. Oh, quick teaser, upcoming topics. We're going to be talking about uh, Carl Pan's room. We're going to yes. be talking about Ted. Oh, we're going to do some of the greats and yep. then some of and the some lesser of the... knowns, which the other, I, I think the one that we should do next was the other lesser known murder, the, uh, or the, uh, Kidnapping, what's his the name? Steven Stainer Steven and Stainer. The military brother. guy that wore the bras and stuff? Oh, oh and that the, too? the Canadian, I think he was Canadian, actually. Oh, never mind, oh. we don't do any Canadians. No, no, this is, this is um, an all-American show. Uh, Albert yes. Fish, uh, I mean, we'll do a, do a lot of the big ones, yes. but, which Carl Panzerum and Albert Fish are going to be kind of hard to handle because we're staying away from the I super gruesome details. I don't think Joel can fucking handle I'm the not fish, dude. To it. Oh, Albert oh. Fish. I actually don't know if anyone can. Is that the one it. with the we're gonna needles? Need, yeah, yeah, we're gonna, oh. we're gonna need people to like request it, right? We need to know that everyone's in. Everybody needs to be ready for it because it's well, even if if we do content, a deep dive into Carl Panzerum, like no, his his description of not just the murders that he committed, but the things that happened to him personally. Yeah. Like what, for example? We might need. We that's something else that we can talk about on the on the car ride home. On the car ride home. <laughs> oh, God. We gotta. I know. We you gotta are test the audience and just see how strong their stomachs are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We just need to see. Um, and then again, like I say, I don't want to do stuff with kids. But then Steven Stainer was a a kid when he was taken. But the story is more when he's older. So yeah, we'll go into it a little bit. But I'm excited, guys. Me too. Really excited. Me too. Lots of good content. Lots of fucked up people out there just giving us good content. Thankfully. (laughs) Thankfully. I'd love for some new ones to happen. (laughs) Get out there and start killing, guys. (laughs) Make it weird. We're pro kill people. Yeah, 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 because, you know, we're going to run out of stuff. We will help you I think that that should be the sign-off for every single episode. Get out there and start killing. Get out there and start (laughs) killing, guys. (laughs) Breathe.